Hello, I'm Matthew Bay, a senior analyst at Stratfor, a Rain company. This podcast is brought to you by Stratfor Worldview, Rain's premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence analysis. Sign up for the free Stratfor newsletter at worldview.stratfor.com. You're listening to Rain's Essential Geopolitics podcast powered by Stratfor. I'm Emily Donahue. North Korea recently tested long-range cruise missiles and short-range ballistic missiles. This as South Korea carried out a test of its new submarine-launched ballistic missile. What's going on? Here with answers is Stratfor Senior VP of Strategic Analysis at Rain, Roger Baker. Hello, Roger. Hello. So how should we interpret what appears to be an accelerating arms race between the two Koreas? Well, I think on one hand, we we want to accept that it is an arms race between the two Koreas. One of the interesting things that we've seen since Kim Jong-un came to power is that he's really shifted focus of North Korea's uh, defense development and missile development from just looking at deterrent systems, you know, the long-range nuclear-capable missiles uh, potentially aimed at Hawaii or the continental United States, and instead he's focused very heavily on uh, domestic um, real battlefield-type weapon systems, uh, things that would be used in conflict on the Korean peninsula, things that would be used to target uh, air bases in South Korea, that would be used to block the resupply on ports and things of that sort. So uh, this change in behavior of North Korea, I think, is is critical to keep an eye on in the way in which they're looking at their future security risks um, and looking at potentially living with that South Korean threat. At the same time, we see the South Koreans uh, really trying to change uh, their over-dependence on the United States for defense and deterrence and shift to create their own weapon systems. Um, and the, the submarine-launched ballistic missile pushes South Korea far ahead of the North. We know the North has been working on one, but has yet to successfully test it. Uh, and we're also seeing in this that um, the South Koreans have recently gotten the United States to finally lift all of the moratoria on South Korea's development of its own ballistic missile systems. And in the background, we're seeing the South Koreans accelerate that as well. So there is this uh, uh, missile competition going on on the Korean peninsula that's mostly focused at each other, but may in the long run have implications for the region. And what impact may this have on prospects for renewed talks with North Korea? Right. The interesting thing to watch is, of course, as the South Koreans are testing their submarine-launched ballistic missile, they're also calling on the North Koreans to re-engage, and they want talks and they want dialogue. Um, I would argue that one of the major things that's holding up uh, renewed dialogue between North Korea and South Korea is probably COVID more than it is uh, the defense developments on each side of the, the DMZ. Uh, under COVID, the North Koreans have been very, very concerned about having any human-to-human interaction with anybody anywhere, even with their allies, much less their potential opponents. But we do also see in this, uh, by South Korea developing a lot more of its own indigenous capabilities, we see the South Koreans feeling uh, more confident and trying to retake a leadership role in reopening uh, dialogue with the North. And in the recent Um, discussions between the United States, Japan, and South Korea, the United States actually is starting to mimic in part some of the South Korean talking points on restarting negotiations. For example, um, talks without preconditions, but more importantly, the idea that there is space for 
humanitarian aid and potentially even person-to-person interactions with North Korea outside of the framework of denuclearization. So that does give some potential prospect for reopening talks. Roger, what are the implications for the U.S.-Republic of Korea alliance of South Korea's expanding military tech capabilities? Right. One of the things as we as we watch this is, of course, the South Koreans have been pressing the United States to lift some of the these restrictions on South Korea's indigenous weapons development. And that was particularly in the missile uh, category um, and even in the, their space program. Um, a big part of why the South Koreans are doing this really is about demonstrating that they are finally ready to take on operational control of forces on the Korean Peninsula in case of war. So currently, in case of conflict, operational control of the U.S. and South Korean forces goes to the United States, um, and the South Koreans do not have control over their forces during that time. The South Koreans and the United States have been in negotiation for what's called OPCON transfer, transferring control of forces on the Korean Peninsula to the Koreans, finally. Um, And that's been up and down. There's been timeframes on it. Uh, Now it's conditional based on the South Koreans demonstrating their ability to provide certain key um, defense and offense capabilities that will allow them to take on that role. And so as we watch the South Koreans doing this, they're doing this as a way to accelerate that transfer of operational control and take back um, the sense that South Korea is no longer an auxiliary of the United States military, but that it's a it's an equal partner in the alliance structure. Now, um, the other thing that we're seeing in regards to that is, of course, the South Koreans are not always 100% sure that their defense and security priorities are the same as the United States defense and security priorities. So the U.S. is clearly looking at China as its primary opponent. South Korea obviously looks at North Korea as its primary opponent, but also has concerns, um, you know, maybe not active, but but back-end concerns about countries like Japan, which they have a long and very complicated history with. Um, so South Korea's priorities and U.S. priorities don't always align. The United States is really trying to build much stronger defense and security coalitions that effectively target China. And South Korea is wary of being drawn into those types of alliances because of their economic dependency on China, because of China's ties with North Korea, and because of the geographic nearness of South Korea to China. So by strengthening their own defensive capabilities, ideally from the South Korean perspective, it gives them a little bit more maneuvering room uh, in how they are able to manage this balance between their security ties with the United States, their economic ties with China. And I think the final piece is going to be in South Korea as a high-end seller of arms. Uh, South Korea has moved up into the top 10 um, major uh, uh, suppliers of of high-end arms to the world. Um, They are continuing to advance that capability. Uh, They develop systems that are technologically uh, capable, but not so far advanced like the U.S. systems that they require uh, so uh, uh, so much extra assistance from the United States. So as a middle power, South Korea has become a, a very interesting supplier of arms to other countries that aren't quite willing to lock themselves into the U.S. orbit or the cost of the follow-on maintenance and supplies of U.S. systems, and are a little cautious about locking themselves into Chinese suppliers 
or or even Russian suppliers. And this in regards to the U.S. relationship is going to be interesting to watch because on the one hand, it creates a democratic nation supplier of arms to countries that right now would probably normally go to China or Russia and not the United States. But on the other hand, at some point down the road, there's clearly going to be some low-end competition between the South Koreans and the United States in arms sales. And that may later, you know, five, ten years down the road, have some impact on the bilateral relationship. Roger Baker is Stratfor Senior Vice President of Strategic Analysis at Rain. Thanks, Roger. Thank you. You can stay ahead of the news from the Korean Peninsula with Rain Worldview, powered by Stratfor. Sign up for our free newsletter today. Go to worldview.stratfor.com. That's worldview.stratfor.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.